0: Well, is it right for the pastor to say, oh, geez, I sure hope this goes well before it gets started? You ever try to, like, you know, bite off more than you can chew? Uh, So I'm going to pray before we we get into today's uh, message from 1 John. So let's just pray, Lord, um, for you, for your glory, for your truth. I pray that we could receive even a fraction of your love because that love would lead us to repentance. It would lead us to changing our mind. It would lead us so close to you and so near to you that we would watch your ways and we would seek direction from you. And And that's the goal of this. That's why we study, why we come together every week, that we might spur each other on in faith and in good works. So... I ask you, Lord, to do this today. Work in the hearts of the men and the women here. Give me your words, I pray. I pray that your spirit would uh, well up in all those who believe and that your spirit would, would convict and draw near all those who doubt and that we would all be uh, people of God, sojourners through a land that's not our home, excited about the day we return to the kingdom we, where we belong with you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So idolatry. You heard an you heard an idol sermon before. Oh man, that's that's like the heartburn for me, right? Is uh, Lord, what do you want to do? So I, I got some slides, but here is fair warning: uh, I may skip one or or trash it all together. Okay, so we'll go on this journey together. This is actually part, oddly enough, of our sermon series on 1 John. We're going through 1 John. We're probably not going to finish it today because there's some more to say. Maybe two more weeks after this. We'll see what the Lord does with today. Turn in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5. If you haven't turned there already, beginning with verse 19, and it reads like this. It might be kind of hard to see. I was trying to highlight for attention but it might be hard to read. First John 5:19. We know that we are children of God. That's good news, right? Okay, good news. We're children of God. That's huge. And that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Okay. Now have I said anything to you that's like just blew your mind? You didn't never heard this before. This is new. Okay, not yet. Nothing's probably going to come. I think the best that's going to happen today is a, a reminder. Uh, but I, but I ask you to do this. Let's stop there for a second. Let's consider the implications of this. If we are the children of God, and we're living in a world all around us that's under the control of the evil one, what do we know about the evil one based on what was written? A liar and a murderer, okay? Kill, still and destroy. Thank you if I get that out. She got it out. I didn't. What else? Causes division in the body, in the body of Christ. So, creates deception. Can disguise, an can disguise himself as an angel of light. There was something else coming from over here? Huh? Propagates, lies. So, Propagates lies. Creates images. Creates images. To be worshipped. Yes, prowls to and fro right from Job, considering and watching for who he can consume. He creates confusion, right? Chaos. Because ultimately, it's it's like a competition where he doesn't even have to win. He just has to neutralize you to win. He just has to confuse you, just to twist it a little bit from the very beginning, right? What he told Adam and Eve is he didn't necessarily invite them to evil. He invited them to doubt that God was good and to believe that God was holding out on them. And with that, sin, came into, sin and death came into mankind. Awesome. Okay, there's a, good, there's a good starting point. So I just made some notes here. So here's what, here's what this means to me, is that the world around us, because it's under the control of the evil one, and let me stop there for a second. Okay? You are encountering, there is supernatural evil things that go on. Okay? I'm not trying to discount that. That is huge. But there's also a subtlety to evil. And the subtlety of evil works like this. Fact, no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself, right? And, well, I got the shirt for it. It says, yeah, of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice, right? You talk to yourself. There's a whole bunch of inner dialogue going up in every person's mind, right? And within that dialogue, you've got so many voices. You have your own. You have a repeating by yourself of everything that people have been been saying about you or told to you. Right? There's there's like doubt and fear, then there's accusation that comes from who? The evil one, right? Condemnation, fear, all all these emotions that come from our flesh, then as well, right? Our reactions. And most of the evil in the world, I would, I would present to you, is propagated by subtle evil. Do you think I'm off, or you think that's right? Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of the worst things, if you look back in time, um, were done without somebody going to a special meeting with Satan to decide to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? It's done in like meeting rooms and, and selfish reactions, and not necessarily in direct, evil, satanic worship. However, they perpetuate evil and harm. Parents to their kids, spouses to one another, kids to their parents, brothers to sisters, neighbors to neighbors, boss to co workers, co workers to bosses, government and rulers to the people they rule, and those people who rule to the people who rule them. So the world around us is full of fake, counterfeit, pretend, wannabe deceptive things, practices, people, systems, ideas religion, and belief systems. And what they're about is they're trying to convince us that what they're claiming is true. And what they offer is good, enjoyable, pleasureful, helpful, satisfying, important. And that will ultimately give you better, fuller, more significant, enjoyable life. Because okay, that's a lot of words, but does that ring true? to your heart right now. Because I don't want to leave your heart behind in favor of your head. Do you feel this? Yeah. Now, here's a truth we need to say, too. When we give in to those things, sometimes short-term, they really help. Right? I, when I got a master's degree from a college, I felt good. Right? And then I had to start paying the student loans. It didn't quite feel as well. But got a promotion, felt good, right? You lose a few pounds, you feel good initially. Sex feels good, right? Um, compliments, affirmation, it feels really good. And it's hard not to go back to that good feeling. So short term, they seem to help. That's the problem with Sin. You want it. It seems good or fine or helpful short term. But it doesn't help. It, it doesn't work. It's not what it says it is. See, it looks like life, but it's not. It could be said it has the form of life without the substance of life. Are you still tracking with me on that? Sweet. So you're all bidding your sinners. This is good. We're at a good start. John said, if we said we have no sin, then we're a a liar and we're making God a liar. We're not going to do that today. Cool. But here is another truth. You have choices to make based on this reality. To simply say, oh, Holy Spirit, just make it, make me do it this way. That's not good enough. What, what you have to say is, Spirit of God, change my heart, change my mind, so I want nothing to do with this sinful behavior. But you still have a choice to make. And, and we may uh, make the choice to look to the things in our world for hope and for life. Okay, what about, did I lose you guys yet? You with me? Okay, when I'm a teenager, hope looks a lot like having people that care about you, right? What other things look like hope in life? What's that? They said success. Does that sound right? Do you guys think about what you want to do with your life? Okay. What's that? Weekends? Like entertainment, fun? Like living it up, right? Yeah. Because there's this expectation, we said of what it looks like to live, and to enjoy life, and to live good life, you know? There's, I mean, like, not to hit on, but take any job that you might look at and think, wow, that's not really glorious, right? They didn't plan on doing that job probably when they were 12, but they ended up doing that because it worked best for their life, right? But no one's planning on that. So, yeah, and then when you get 20, that could look different, but still those same things, well, why aren't you married? Why don't you have a career and job? and then if you're twenty and you have those things, you're like you got a virus. what's wrong with you right you're weird right? Go have some fun right and then you're thirty, and it's like about your kids, and you don't sleep, and so you need rest and and caffeine and so like my wife tells me that caffeine is not a good substitute for sleep. It's not the same. It might have the appearance of doing the same thing, however. In substance, you crash and you need more caffeine, okay, right? right yeah cheers cheers my coffee cup to that. Um, you know, to have money doesn't mean that you're better or more important because rich people can be very unhappy to get sex doesn't mean that you're good and received because sometimes you're just used when you get sex, right? Or it only lasts so long, no matter what they say in the movies. And if you do it the wrong way, an hour later you feel like trash, right? Pornography, an image of someone having sex, is not the same as having sex. It doesn't matter how much plastic surgery we get, we're still becoming 60 and 70. So you can look really preserved, but still your heart gives out because you're 90 years old now, right? And it just stopped on you. So this may happen. It has the look of life and hope, but it's not. Or the other choice is this, and it sounds very cliche, or we could follow Jesus, yay, right? Every pastor is always saying follow Jesus. No, no, really, like do what he does to see it in a new way. And the cool thing about the older you get, you blow it more, and so you begin to realize this thing that I looked to before for life doesn't work, and so you don't go back to that, but often you go to the new thing. Ooh, I tried that money thing, and that didn't work, okay. Right, like, oh, maybe I should try this instead. Uh, Corey, I wanted to kind of piggyback off of your sermon, but I think that's for next week. But, But Corey did bring up this point, which is part of an old Jewish proverb. It's this idea that you should follow a teacher, a rabbi, and that you'd follow them so closely in the way that they lived and what they ate and drank and said, and you would actually drink in their words so much so and so close that they'd be covered with the dust from the feet of their rabbi. That's that's following God. In, In 2021 terms, It's like following Jesus so close, you're giving him a flat tire. You know what that is? You have kids where you're walking, they're falling behind you, and they step on the back of your sandal, and you're like, good Lord, what just happened? Like that. Like Jesus is like, stop stepping on my sandal, Will. Okay. So all this confusion, all this counterfeit, all this lie around you, we're together? It's a true story. Okay. What are you going to say about this, John? What? What has God asked you to tell us? Verse twenty says this, and we know that the Son of God has come. Does the Son of God come? Yeah, okay, we we're, we know that, and He's given us understanding. Isn't that what we really need? If the enemy's all about trying to confuse us and misdirect us, He wants to give us understanding. One of the first jobs I had out of college was working at a bank. And this is an illustration you used. Yeah, right? That was one of them I worked for. One of the things they trained us to do, because we would encounter uh, counterfeit checks and, and cash, is they trained us in what an authentic, real version of the cash looked like, and an authentic, real version of a check. And we learned about the different security protocols in both of those. And instead of focusing on the millions of types of counterfeits that existed, we focused on the real thing and knowing the real thing. And I remember seeing a check one time, and it did not look like the real thing. Turned out they'd whitewashed it, and we found that. The $20 bill, it had some strip in there and some fibers that were hard to duplicate, you would learn what the real thing was because everything is trying to fool you, lie to you, just enough to keep you confused. Just enough to keep you so far down, so unrefreshed, that God has to bring times of refreshing and revival and renewal. But the answer that God gave to this is that he sent his son to help us have understanding. But when's the last time that you asked Jesus, like, oh man, give me understanding. Give me interpretation. Show me what's true. And he gave us understanding, so what? So that we may know him who is true. Like, what God is doing, who God is, is truth. And we're in him who's true, in his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, what does that mean? Tell me what it means to be in Christ. Like, pick all the church words out of it. Man, the church words aren't helping. What is it? To be in Christ. To desire to be like him. What does that mean to you, to be in Christ? Surrounded in his presence. Got to trust him. I mean, see, this is what the Holy Spirit does, is he helps us to give witness, to give testimony of what God has done in our life. Are you in Christ? And if so, what's it look like? Tell me. Like, seriously, we don't do this enough. Tell me. What is it? Eat, sleep, walk, talk, and drink Jesus all the time. Someone has something over here. Read his word. What's that? Abide. Abide to stay like to stay near and am, Yeah. Immediate response to His will. Yeah. will. What did you say over here, Chris? He to desire what He desires. It's like so close we're one. Right? Like oh man. To let that person so close. I mean, isn't that the best thing about the most intimate relationships? You become almost one because you're so close. You know each other in such an intimate way. You can almost guess the ebb and flow of that person and what they're going to do and how they're going to move and how they'll respond. And like to know Christ, to be in him, to be where he's at, not in the darkness, but in the light. And every time you get off the path to want to get so close, I'm not stepping on your sandals anymore, Jesus. Like I need to get back there. Because he is the true God and eternal life. And that seems like such church words. It's like, Lord, how do we say that in a different way? Like, he's God. Everything is from him. He's in control of everything. you get that? He's in control of everything. He's in control of everything. But what about he's in control of everything? He has enough power. But I'm facing this. He's in control of everything. Wow. What if? What if I believe that? And that could take me on like a three-hour detour. So I can't necessarily just stay there. But and eternal life. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to live? I mean, do you understand you were created to really live? To really live. Isn't that the maddening thing? The world around you is dying. I mean, you're dying, but you're made to live. And then John does this crazy thing throws this line in because you're just like vibing with yes yes life god so because god is in control like if something bad's happening he's okay with it he's going to use it right it's back to that whole joseph story like whatever you thought dude that you meant for evil god is using for good do your worst I like vibing with that. Yes. And life, like, oh, I want to feel alive. That's why I keep doing this, because I just want to feel something. I want to have some hope and some dreams and some passion. But he is that. Oh, it's exciting. And then he's like, little children, which we learned. What does little children mean? That word that we translated. Do you remember? It's like a long time ago. It seemed like 17 years ago now. But what is it? Disciples, yeah, like students, my students, the people studying Christ, following Christ, stepping on Christ's sandals with me. Flat-tiring Jesus, right? There you go. There's, there it is, right? Flat-tiring Jesus. This is, good. this is what we should do. Okay, maybe not flat-tire, but try to be close. Don't hurt the guy. Um, students, disciples, followers of Jesus, keep yourselves from idols, Keep yourselves from idols. The New Living Translation says it like this. Any, keep yourselves from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The message says, keep yourself from all clever facsimiles. Faxes, facsimile. yeah. It's the, copies looks like it, but it's not. That just kind of takes it a different direction. And what I love here, and, I, and I, I want to even know more, Lord, but why is it that here he didn't say, "Don't worship idols." Did you catch that? Keep yourselves from idols. When we think about idols, we look at this, right? Something kind of carved. We we love to hide, right? We love to hide behind our little uh fortresses. And and so it's like, yeah, that seems stupid, right? Like carve something and bow to it. That's like, oh, you crazy people. Like we're we're so much more uh evolved and smarter than that. We don't do this at all. Okay. That happens, right? There is uh Actual, tangible idols still worshipped in the world today. But my guess is that's not what's going on at your house. And if we simply keep it at that, then you feel like you have this safety to say, doesn't apply to me, it applies to those suckers. But that's not true. So what idols should we keep ourselves from? I mean, sure, like a graven idol... False teachers? Like, like TV shows, Facebook, and all those things. Television, TV shows, Facebook, yeah. Like anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And here's where I almost want to put a little bit of a break on this, okay? Because I think what's, what's interesting, like I've given you that example. When I worked in the bank, we didn't spend our time in training uh, looking at all the counterfeit bills. Do you get this? What we did is we got to know the real thing so much, it became very evident to us when a fake thing came across. We actually felt it. Money has a feel to it, right? It even leaves a certain residue on your fingerprints. It ate my fingerprints away, I used so much of it. Oddly enough, right? It, it had a, a smell, a texture, the fibers looked a certain way. We studied it so much that we could know. And like everything, we tried to make it efficient, so now they mark it with a pen. So now you don't even have to know what the real thing is. I've seen real Isn't that what we've done with... Seen one that was fake. So the church comes up here like, kill your phone. <coughs> throw out the TV. Maybe you need to, but let's, that's, that's legalism. That is, what can I do to keep God happy, to please him so he comes into my life? So I just want to throw out that caution. I don't want to just give you an exhaustive list of idols. But like you're saying, anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And you're absolutely right because I'll tell you what, as the shepherd, uh, my job is to shepherd you into truth. And the way that God has me do this is he's teaching us in our home by a lot of mistakes and a few successes and really awesome people around us and a grace and forgiving family to deal with me, uh, we're learning this truth and we're learning where the good grass is to eat. Then my job is to say, I know where the good grass is. But to your right there, that's brown grass painted green. Don't eat that stuff. Bad aftertaste. So anything that might take God's place in our hearts, all clever facsimiles of hope and life and power, all of which really come from God. So hey, just for giggles, right? What would the smart people that make up dictionaries say? Idols are, could be an object of extreme devotion. It could be a representation or symbol of an object of worship, broadly a false god. It could be a likeness of something. It could be obsolete, a pretender, an imposter. It could be a false conception, a a fallacy, a set of ideas that are wrong. And probably my favorite, number five, a form or appearance visible without substance. Because God is the giver of truth. God is the giver of love. God is the giver of eternal life. God is the giver of power. And so any of those things, honestly, that I'm looking for love, life, power, and truth, and I think they're the source of it, there it is. So to your example, like if I am too much on Facebook, it's going gonna, it's gonna to actually um, give me an idea about everyone else's life around me, which can create envy and jealousy or anger, right? And then it gives me um, whoever's trying to make money is telling me if I drink this shake, I'm going to get skinny and have abs. and this political party's good and this one's bad and this person's great and there's hope because there's this person that's doing a speech or something, right? And so it's got you so confused, you think truth is coming from that, you think life is coming from that, you think hope is coming from that and it's not. If you just love to see Rick's pictures of Rick's granddaughter and you go on there, then it might not be an idol for you. But John's advice is, don't even get close to that. It's kind of the age old thing. Guys, any parents ever tell you, be careful who you hang out with? If you start to act like them? Yeah. It's true. It's like that with these idols. These things have this way of pulling you in and pretending they're going to give you hope. Right? That's why you don't open yourself to those things. Because it's very dangerous. So the idols that we're dealing with, so you gave some. Help me, help me list some that you see. And I'm, okay, here's the disclaimer. Let's just pretend you can say something, and it doesn't mean you have this problem. But just you know, somebody, right? This is safer. Like, okay, what kind of idols are we dealing with? The devil. The devil. Okay. What? What's that? Money. Beauty. Money. Money. Health. Health. Uh, hobbies. Sports. Football. Control. Pornography. Pornography. False beliefs. False yeah. beliefs. Which, Comparison. What was that? Someone else said something over here. You, sports? Yeah, yeah. Sports? Wealthy people. Wealth, well, people or wealthy people? People. Wealth. Okay, that was chorus. That was a harmony there. Self is next week's sermon, I think, actually, yes. <laughs> is pride. Pride, self, very good. Power. Mm-hmm. Envy. Safety. Even good things that God gives us: relationships, marriage, right, kids, health, education. Ooh, what a beautiful list! Look at, boom, identity, approval of others, security. Just approval, control, relationships, success, religion. Like, we've got to do it this way, right? Uh, Governments, philosophies, wealth, health, food, intellect, comfort, sex, pleasure, safety. The news, right? Movie stars, Netflix. I mean, all these things could be where you go for the things that God was supposed to give to you. Let me go back to that list for a second. And Steve, to your point, to your point, here's what's so tricky. Here's what's so sneaky about this whole game. Some of these things are so good when used right. Right? Right? I mean, to, to want safety. I mean, no kid should be harmed, right? right? No husband should harm a wife like that. No, we shouldn't be breaking into each other's house and have that. We, we shouldn't have people lying to us, but we do. And so safety is not even really up to us. Although it's something we want. Approval of others or affirmation. I mean, gosh, you're made by the God of all the universe and He loves you. Like you're a masterpiece, like a painting, right? Created with blood, sweat, and tears over days and weeks, right? It just for nine, ten months, knit together in your mother's womb. Like special, precious. So, of course, you need a reminder of that. And so, I want Rick to tell me I'm pretty, right? Like, yeah. But when it becomes in front of God, it is an idol. In relationships, oh, thank you for my kids. But guess what? Some of you found out your kids grow up. And they do this weird thing because the opposites attract. They choose somebody who's really an awful fit for your family. right? Isn't that what happens? And it's never quite the same. And if if that didn't happen, then control might be the issue. You might be controlling your kids, and they're not. But anyway, we're not going to go there. That's not today's sermon. But that's a good thing. But you've got to let your kids, man. You've got to let them go. I got an 18 year old son. The dude gets in a car, a bomb, a bomb, and he drives that bomb really fast all the way to by College every day. And I know like 10 people who died on that road that I used to talk to them. And now they're dead. And my son does that every day. He better be careful. <laughs> and he won't drive a bumper car, you know, or a tank. I don't have control. My love for my son is good. But it's not God. Because some of you, uh, your world will crash down when you do that. Your job. I mean, work hard. That's great, right? Like, honor God with your work. But what happens if they restructure corporately, and now you're 56, and they don't want you anymore, and they fire you, or they lay you off, and they give you a severance? And where's your identity? Or even if you don't, you're going to have to retire someday, maybe, maybe. Or, right, all these things are like, man, I used to actually do manual calculations and now I'm replaced with a computer. I mean, what happens to you? Work was a good thing, but if it was your God, if it was your source of life and hope, ugh. Sex between a husband and wife is a beautiful thing. If it's all you think about, if you get it the false ways, hmm. well, here's some questions I found. Maybe this will help you, okay? Because I see this as sort of a journey rather than a destination today. So, is it an idol for me? That's a really fair question. Because someone, did you hear Pastor Will said Facebook? I better close that thing down, okay? I don't think you'd be wrong to do that necessarily, okay? But ask these kind of questions. Will you compromise your beliefs for this thing? Will you compromise your beliefs for this thing? Like, yeah, I believe God's good, but when it comes to my son, man, I'm taking that in my own hands. Ugh, right? Well, you know, uh, so I'm, you know, using slave labor and stuff to make a million dollars. I'm hurting people, stealing but it's okay, right? Because I want the money. Be careful. Then they wouldn't trust you after that. Be careful. Now, next question. These aren't mine. These were offered on the World Wide Web, which could be an idol itself, but in this situation, it was helpful. Will you get angry if you can't do this thing or if you can't get it? Will it cause you to all of a sudden think that God is not good because you're not getting it? That's danger. Another thing, do you value it over people, right? Because in God's economy, a couple of the best things that could become in you is to be more loving and to have more joy. And if you don't have those two things, then you're marching, you're hiking the wrong trail. You're probably following some dude named Jesus with, like, Birkenstocks instead of Jesus with the sandals. So you need to get back on the right track, okay? Right? Does it push you closer to God or pull you farther away? Okay. So how would we worship these idols? Like, what's that look like? And then why would John tell us to keep away from such things? Well, because, yeah, I really believe that that some of these things probably... uh, you know, could be at a current level where they're not quite idolatry to you. But when they start getting your hope more and more, like, I like television. I'd probably be better off never to watch it. But I do like it. And I think I have to be careful that it doesn't become an idol to me. I enjoy a show. If it becomes like I need to escape reality to watch it, and I never face what's really going on, I think that's entirely destructive. However, I understand in life there are probably appropriate times for distraction, and some of you might not agree. In that maybe I'd be better to not watch that at all, instead of let it get its control. So, I mean, the same thing could be said about a lot of things: food. There's another one, right? Uh, sex, money, being deadly poor sucks in the world. Okay, like can't don't have a place to live, don't have food, not good. That's not what you want. Can God work in it? Yes. So money itself is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You see the difference? So the legalism just says shut everything out. What I'm telling you is know the real thing, Jesus, so then you can see what fake things you need to cut out. So worship is this idea, and see, this is where we're, I don't want to take you into too many concepts here, but worship is this idea, it's like if you identify something or or someone that you see, it's like better or superior to yourself. And so you go towards that thing, you offer it your energy and your time and your devotion and your thoughts and your praise and your respect and your reverence. So when that's God, it's like, yeah, God, you're more powerful than me. You know more, so I want to offer you all this All of me. But the danger is you begin to see things like sports. I mean, have you seen, even in yourself, like you go see a basketball player at the airport and the dude's like 6'8", and you're like 5'9", and you just almost go timidly, like somehow this person is better than me because he could dunk a basketball. I didn't will myself to be like 5'9", or portly. When I play basketball, it's become known as angry hobbit basketball, okay? Because that's like below the rim, sweaty and awkward, not above the rim. But there is something in the culture, if you want to pick on the sports thing, it's like, ooh, this guy is like better than me and bigger. Or like some really buff dude, every other dude is like intimidated by them. Like because they've got big muscles, that they're better? Or like money, if I had more money, I'd be better. Man, like... Sex would make me better, feel better, so I worship that. Like, oh, right? There's these ideas, like the religion. Oh, I go to this church, and the dude is famous, so I'm like sort of famous adjacent. And they tell me, I went to that church, I used to have coffee with them. Well, I'm really glad that you did. Now I think you're a lot more important than I did before. No. Do you see? Are you smelling? what I'm stepping in here. You get, you get what I'm saying here? Okay. So any of these things that we begin to identify as superior to us, worth our energy and time and focus, here's why it's dangerous. You only got so much energy, time and focus. You're a very finite being. I, I read something that said, you know what a great lie is? That people think they can multitask. And I thought, dang, you're right, man. Like, it is. Multitask just means you're switching from one thing to another, and you do that well. But you can't do more than one thing, really. It's why texting and driving is so dangerous, right? Chewing gum and walking can be dangerous at times, too, apparently, right? So, you do, we don't have that ability because we are finite. So, if my energy is going towards this, it's not going towards God. It's not going towards loving my neighbor. Now, the word worship here, it's, it's this idea of like to prostrate. That, that's, so really when they say that, it's this idea of a person like throwing themselves down, like head, head to the ground. And so when you do that to God, you're like, you are higher than me and I got no choice but to throw myself down because you are so much greater than me and I want to do a physical representation of what's really happening. You are, your ways are so much higher than my ways. But when we worship things, what we end up doing is an act of desperation because we were made to do that for God, but we don't see him. We do this for other people. Yes, you play basketball. I'll give you $25 for an autograph. You throw yourself down. Money. Yeah, I'll just sell whatever. Like family, friends, everything to get money. I throw myself down at money. Like, sex, I'll grovel, I'll steal, I'll cheat. I'll even do it on a computer or my cell phone in a dark corner. I mean, who wants that? Like, that is not who you are. Comfort. I'm going to throw out everyone and everything for comfort. I'm, not, I'm even going to go to church. I'm going to do this cool thing where I just stay in my living room and, and I have Christian signs. Because my comfort is everything. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't come in. I'm throwing myself down on comfort. My country, oh man, it's like everything because clearly Jesus only came about when America was here. I throw myself to that. If the Republican Party doesn't remain doesn't reign supreme, then it's all going to fall apart, right? These aren't all evil things, but when we throw ourselves at the feet of those, we're not at the feet of God. So to worship an idol is to do that, all those things. I mean, what am I, what am I throwing myself down as? Like Exodus 32, an example of this in the Bible. You remember about the Israelites, God's people? He took them out of Egypt. He did crazy things. He turned water into blood. He had, he had like infestations. He caused a sickness that killed people. Then he parted a sea. And they still didn't care and get it. So then he started dropping like the the ingredients for bread from the sky every day. But these people were uncomfortable. And then Moses, they just kept looking to Moses because they're like, I can't see this God, and we used to have Pharaoh, and now... Nothing. So they looked to a man, a physical thing. And then when he disappeared up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, mind you, they're like, forget this. Come, they said. Make us a God who will go before us. I don't get it. Well, okay, let let it sit in a second. Soak in a second there. Let me tell you why this is so hit me in such a new way today when I'm looking at it. The cool thing about the idols is we control them. You're what they did in the worship of that idol, those Israelites. What do they do? What is it? What? Yeah, once they had the idol, it wasn't about the idol. What it was is about what they could do the huge party they had, the things that they wanted to do, the defiled things that they wanted to do. And now they just needed some sort of God they could manipulate. They still called it the God of Israel, but they put him in a form that they could carry with them and make that God agree with them. We want to have a big old orgy party, man. You're with it, right, God? Oh, he didn't say anything. (laughs) The gold cap didn't say anything. He didn't say, no, we're good, okay. Go hang out over there. We're going to do our thing, Right? Made God angry, but we still do that. That's the problem with these idols. It's like we don't like what life is giving us. So it's so much easier rather than, right, the actual God of all the universe, the creator that has an opinion about these things, to actually choose things to worship that are going with us, that will come before us and agree with us. So I'm very insecure and I want to make a lot of money so I feel good about myself. So I choose the God of money. And success. Because I'm good at it. So we're no different than our brothers and sisters so long ago. Here's the problem. Here's here's something I'd like to unpack more, but I just want to throw this out there. Maybe for your notes. Here's what I think is the progression of what's going on. I think someone finds out about God Right, And then they say, they learn this, God is good. God is good. He's powerful and he's good. Yes. And that's about where you come into the faith. You know, God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, right? That if we believe in him, we wouldn't die, but we'd have eternal life, right? Some, some translation of that. Well, then we, we actually spend time with them. We begin to realize, wow, this God is good and mighty to save. And he's so good to other people. Right? Then the next level, to be honest with you, just even just yesterday I was talking to my wife and I'm like, man, I'm vacillating in here by what I see me doing in life, by my hopes and my dreams, by my passion and energy. I'm not living in this truth that the most important in real truth is not only is God good and powerful and mighty to save, it's got to get personal. God is good and mighty and loving to save me. And only when we get to that place will we let him in. Only when we get to that place will we let him in. And so sure, I'd love for you at the end of this to look around a little bit and spend some time with God about the things that are creeping up, these idols that are calling out for your worship. And maybe he's asking you just to run from those things. Maybe you have to smash and destroy those idols, but I... I'm not calling you into that witch hunt. What I'd like you to do, just like the person trying to figure out a counterfeit bill, I mean, it took an intimate set of actions Uh, to touch it, to feel it, uh, to smell it, to see, to explore it enough that I would see the blue and the red fibers and, and the water mark and the strip in there that I would receive God's love so much that I would draw so near that I could learn and know the real thing. And once I learned and knew the real thing, then I could smell, taste, feel, see a liar, a counterfeit from a mile away. So here's what I'd like you to ask you to do today. We've got a communion set up at these two tables. And so the the praise team is going to come up. I don't know where you're at in that. If it was a if it was almost like a a foundation where it's like yes I, I believe in God, I believe in God and maybe maybe that's you're not even there yet and I'm really glad if you're doubting I'm really glad that you're here and and i would I would ask you to feel free to come come talk to me, come talk to Randy and Sandy right here, come talk to Josh I know. These are people always willing to talk to you and wrestle with some of these ideas. But maybe you have that. You're like, I know God. He's good. Like, I know. Um, but maybe, and then maybe you're at that point now where you're like, yeah, I can just see it, how good God is, and I can see that, that he saves me, and I'm going to get heaven, and I feel good about that. Okay? But maybe you haven't got to that point where you don't realize God's goodness to you. It's like Eve and Adam at the beginning. It's like God is holding out on me. And so, like, he's getting me to three-quarters good, like, I'm not going to die. I'll survive, but I won't thrive. When the truth is, like, God wants you to thrive, but it might not be your definition. And so sometimes you have to believe something because you know it's true, right? You have to believe something because you know it's true, And give it the time that it deserves to get from your head into your inner being so that you know that it's true. Because I suspect if you look at your life, you're going to find many instances where God was very, very good to me. And once you get where God is really, really good to you, I believe, then you're going to start to see those counterfeits. Maybe ones that have snuck their way in or ones vying for your attention. So this is my prayer. This is what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that we would begin to just sit, and I'll use the word meditate. It might throw you off, but that's really what we're doing. We're focusing. We're paying our attention to this truth that God is good and powerful and mighty, and but yet loves me. That loves me. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father. Who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation became his prized possession. Focus on this. while We'll have this quiet time. I am his prized possession. Well, Will, I know that doesn't sound, that sounds like prosperity gospel stuff I heard about on YouTube and Facebook, right? Get this. The communion. Why do that? You, you know what's the what's the juice represent? The blood. What did the blood do? Yeah, it was shed. Right. It washed our sins clean. What about the what about the little Jesus cracker? What's that? Body of Jesus. Right. Which was broken for our sins. So listen. You think he really meant it? That he loves you. Like he died. Well, throw all doubt out about that. He died for you because you are his prize possession. And if me as a dad who's evil, doesn't want to give my kids rocks when they need bread or fish, how much better? Would God, who is good, treat his prized possessions? Lord, I I just come here and I just lay it all down, like everything that I could do. This is up to you. Work in the minds and the heart. Help us to change our mind. Help us to repent from believing that we're not special to you. Show us that we are your prized possession. And as we come to the table for communion, we remember what you did for us, Lord Jesus. How could we doubt that you love us? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just well up. I pray that it would be like the time of the flood when, when the Spirit just came from within, just like the water came from up from the ground that you would come in so that we would really believe this. Give us the power to believe and know this is true, Lord, and then that you would surround us with your present spirit, just like the rain that would fall down, and that you would fill us with your love and your truth. This I pray, in Jesus' name.